the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Once again, good morning and welcome to Morrison Hill Christian Church. We say that over and over every single Sunday because we mean it. We're incredibly thankful for the opportunity to help you, whether you're joining us in person or joining us online, to help you become fully devoted and equipped followers of Jesus Christ. That is our mission. That is what we're here to do. And right now in this series that we're walking through right this minute, we're revisiting exactly what that mission is about. This is the second Sunday in a series called Definition. We're talking about what things actually mean, what they mean to us, what the scripture means when it uses those terms and those phrases, but also trying to increase the definition like a high definition TV, try to get better at it. Um, And that's uh, all of these things. So last week we looked at what it means that we help people. I don't have time to walk you back through. I hope you go back if you missed that and that you you connect that because this is fundamental stuff here. But the bottom line is this, we empower people. We help them. We may try to help them be able to do the things that God wants them to do. And today we're looking at the second part, and that is that we become. And here's what that means. We, uh, to become, in the sense that we're using this word in our mission statement, is the process of starting over and truly changing. The process of starting over and truly changing. It's kind of like if any of you who've ever mastered something, the first day you tried sewing or building or working on cars or playing an instrument or learning how to throw a football or whatever it is that you are good at. It's something that's just part of you now. When you first started, that was kind of the beginning of it all. That was a great day. You might even remember that first day you you sat down at a sewing machine or picked up a wrench or whatever for the first time, uh, picked up a guitar for the first time. It, 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 that, that locks in your brain. Something wonderful happened that day. But that's not the day you mastered it. You know what I'm saying? It, that the mastery happens over time. You become and you keep becoming. And this is the essence of what we're talking about today. So, first thing I need you to say out loud with me today is this. We commit to the process. Would you say that out loud? We commit to the process. When we give our lives to Jesus, when we come to find salvation, we want him to save us, what we're committing to is a process. This is going to be the rest of our life. It's like getting a job and then you have to go to work. It's like getting married and then you have to have a marriage. You, you know what I'm saying? It's a, you become a parent and then you raise a kid. You know, it's, it's, there's something you're committing to a process. So we're going to use some big words. I want to make sure we understand these today. These are ones you've probably heard um, before, but I want to make sure we understand. That's justification and sanctification. Justification is what Jesus does for us. Justification is where God declares us to be righteous. He declares us to be right with him because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Sanctification is based on that, but sanctification is the ongoing process. It's where God sets us aside, but he also keeps making us more and more like Jesus as we go. And when we are becoming followers of Jesus Christ, it's both. We, there has to be a moment where it all starts. There has, there's even a process in the scripture about how it all starts when you first come to Christ. But that's only the beginning. There's an ongoing process. Are we good so far? I just threw you a whole bunch of stuff all at once, kind of a tsunami all at once. Everybody tracking? We good? All right, here we go. 
We become and we keep becoming. Here's the best way I know how to extra, uh, explain this. Think, just think about Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, I know that was a hard one to, that was kind of a stretch, but, but it makes sense. This guy, I don't know if you know that much about him, but here, here's some of the things I know. He has pr pretty strong pedigree. This guy has some strong genes. His dad and his maternal grandfather were both really successful athletes and professional wrestlers. Even way back in the day before he started his career, he had all the potential, all the genetics, all the stuff, a lot of advice, a lot of connections. He had everything that he needed to become Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but it took him a little while to get his groove, let's be honest, it took him a while. But after a while, after years and years of training and trying out several different characters, several different personalities that he'd pretend to be in the ring, he finally came up with the character of The Rock, and suddenly he became a quote-unquote overnight success. Suddenly we all know who Dwayne The Rock Johnson was. But he didn't stop there. He kept training and training. I wish I looked like he did then, but look at him now. Dude's ripped to the bone. He's lost his hair, he's older, but he looks better than he used to because he relentlessly trains for hours every single day. He's still taking acting classes. He became a star, but he's still becoming. He became, he was who he was the day he was born. He was, before he even started his career, he had all that potential, but he didn't stop there. He became The Rock, and he's still becoming Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Does that make sense? Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? Now, again, there's a lot of things he says and does that I don't agree with, but this principle is what I'm trying to, I hope that helps you connect. This is what it is. When we are justified by Jesus, right at the beginning, right at the beginning, we've got so much potential. We've got everything that we need. We are declared righteous right that moment, but that is the beginning. And God expects us to not only to become, but to keep becoming. Now, justification is a Christian word that you'll also hear outside of the church, but when you hear it outside of the church, and sometimes in the church, we mean almost the opposite. Justification can mean arguing that something is true or reasonable. In other words, I'm trying to justify my actions to you. And my dream about that is that you will think I'm right or at least stop telling me I'm wrong. That's not what justification is in the biblical sense. Justification in the biblical sense, what we're talking about, what Jesus died and rose to give us, is that God declares us righteous in his sight. Not because of anything that we could do, but because of what Jesus did. It's a completely different thing. Uh, Romans chapter 3, Paul writes about this. He's talking about how it's a real righteousness. If I justify myself to you and I do a good enough job arguing with you about it, you might agree that I'm right. But I could still be wrong, and now you're wrong too because you agree with me. Does that make sense? But this is a real righteousness. God's the one who defines righteousness. God's the one who came up with the concept. God's the one who, his character is the model for righteousness. And he gives us real righteousness. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He says this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Pretty awesome, right? But then there's more. 
we become and we keep becoming. Then there's sanctification. There's two ideas of sanctification and they're knit together. You can't really separate them. They're different, but they, they're knit together. One idea of sanctification is to be made holy, to be set apart, to, to be called, to be given a specific role to play. The other one is that it's the process by which we're made more and more like Jesus as we go. All throughout the scripture, throughout my life, through any other person's life that I've had the honor of playing some sort of a catalyst role in, I see this all the time. Those two are linked together. We become more like Jesus when we do what he calls us to do. You follow me? They're separate things. You choose, you make the choice to do what he says to do, whether you like it or not. But as you do that, little by little, something shifts inside of you and you become more like Jesus. I can look back in my life, and I'm sure those of you who have been Christians for a long time, there were things that I used to do or not do, and the only reason was because it was in the scripture and I was trying to be obedient. I didn't really like it. I didn't really agree with it. I didn't really see the point. I didn't understand, but I was obedient. Are you with me? But little by little, I can look back and at least some of those. Now I look back and I go, oh, that is so wrong. Or that's the right thing. Oh, hallelujah, that's happening. And I realize something has shifted. I'm, I'm a different person. I look at things differently now. Because I became a follower of Jesus, but I am still becoming a follower of Jesus. And along the road, he's actually changing me to be more like Jesus. That's the hope that is for all of us. That's what he offers to every single one of us. But there's, there is a choice. Don't, don't miss us. There is a choice that we have to make in this. There, there, there are things that only Jesus could do. And he's already done those. And he's still doing some of the other ones. But there are some things in this that God leaves up to us. There's some choices we have to make and keep making. For example, John writes this. As you see... I'm sorry, I got that wrong. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. It's a wonderful passage. Don't have time to walk through the whole thing. I hope you do later. It's 1 John 2, 24 through 26. But he's talking about this, this sanctification is like being anointed. It's like an anointing from God. It's like when somebody makes you the king. He says that anointing is real, not counterfeit. Again, it's, it's real righteousness, not me trying to convince you that I'm righteous. It's real righteousness. But he says, and now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. This continues all the way up until Jesus comes back. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul writes, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. He's talking to people who are already Christians, but he's saying, I hope, I pray that God is going to continue this process in you. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even Jesus, when he prayed the night before he went to die for us, the night he was betrayed, the night he had the first Lord's Supper, uh, that night, before he even did all the things he did that justify us now, he was praying this prayer. Listen, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. 
They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. There's the set apart sanctification idea. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. There's the adjusting to fit God's perspective idea. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. There's the set apart idea again. This is the doing what he calls us to do idea. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. There's the transformation idea. See how they're always knit together? And this is something that Jesus Christ himself was praying for us even before he died. Pretty important stuff. This process has to continue. And I, I got to tell you that uh, so many Christians, I, th I think it's one of the most tragic misunderstandings across history, across the world, across every denomination, where so many Christians have gotten the idea that God's dream is that we all just have some emotional, spiritual experience at some point, And because of that, we get to go to heaven someday. And that's Christianity. That's never how it's presented in Scripture. You always see the justification and sanctification put together. You always see that God is asking us to become and keep becoming his followers. And one of the crucial things that has to happen for us to keep becoming his followers is we have got to keep studying his word. No matter how many times you've gone through it, no matter how many times you've, how many Bible studies you've been to, you've got to keep studying it on your own and you need to keep studying it in small groups. That's why we do that all the time at the church. That's why today some of the ministries, many of the ministries out there, what they're going to ask you to be part of is, is a, some sort of an ongoing small group Bible study. That's why we study the Word together as one great big group at least every Sunday morning. That's, we've got to keep doing this. Another key one is fellowship. There's got to be a sense of camaraderie and, and, and accountability. Uh, on Wednesday nights these days, I'm the eternal sub. If Emmeline needs help and can't get her team together, I, I'll, I'll help her. If Billy needs help, I'll go down there. But on the nights I'm free, I get to just be part of a small group that Rick Ross leads, and it's the adult Bible study on Wednesday nights. You're all invited to that, by the way, especially if you're dropping off kids or students already. Bring the whole family. You need this, too. But the other night, this is just an example, I share this because this was, I was already talking about this, but I learned something that I'd never noticed before. He was talking about Dr. Eric Mason's perspective on the book of Jonah. And Dr. Mason pointed out that Jonah had a counterfeit repentance. When he prayed from the belly of the whale, he didn't really repent. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? I've heard that story since I was a little kid. I've taught about that story countless times. But I'd never noticed this. And it actually makes sense. Oh, here's another shameless plug. Right now, media, we give that to you free. All kinds of ongoing Bible studies that you can do as individuals or a group. There's kids' movies. It's awesome stuff. This study is on there. But it'd be even better if you joined us in a group. Just saying. But here, here we go. This is what he pointed out. I'll give you one example. First, the entire prayer is all about him, not about God. Verse 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 says this. Here's an example. He, Jonah said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. The reason he says it's a counterfeit repentance is this. Here's what repentance is. Repentance is where you say, I'm no longer justifying myself. What God says is right is right. What God says is wrong is wrong. 
And I confess that I have done a lot of things God says are wrong. I confess that I am now going to live by His rules. I'm going to do my best to do that. Repentance is a U-turn. It is a 180 degree turn. It's completely changing. It's acknowledging that you're not going to be you as much as you're now going to be the you God created you to be. Repentance, repentance, real repentance involves change. Now this prayer of Jonah's, it was very religious. If you've got a study Bible or access to anything that gives you cross-references, you can pretty easily see he was quoting in those couple of verses, he was quoting more than 20 passages from the Old Testament. It's very, very flowery, flowery Old Testament phrase language. He sounded really religious, but he never once said he was sorry. He never once said that he needed to be forgiven. He never once said that he was going to change. He just said... I'm in the belly of a well, I need help. And God heard me. That's a totally different thing. See, here's the second big thing that it, when we become and we keep becoming followers of Jesus Christ, we've got to remember that he actually gives us the power to start over. I need you to say that out loud with me. We start over. One more time, except with some energy in it, okay? I need you to mean this. This is real. You need to know this is true. We start over. Every single step and every single symbol in the process of becoming a Christian, everything the Bible tells us, repentance, confession, baptism, you go down all, every single step, it all represents we die to ourselves and we start a new life. We die and we are resurrected. We end he begins. We become less. He becomes greater. Every single symbol. And from that point on, as we keep becoming the followers of Jesus, every single new day is a new chance to grow, to change, to build his kingdom on earth. Every symbol that God creates, every, about how to do life, joining a church, getting married, having a child, all of these different, every one of those symbols, there was, there was a, things were this way, and then this happened and things are totally different. This is integral. We start over. And because his mercies are new every day, because he gives us the ability to start over, we can actually change. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. To the Galatians, he said, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And this is not only a statement about the justification that's already happened, it's a statement about the sanctification that is still happening. But every single one of these things. You think about the Great Commission. Go into all the world. Make disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's that complete transformation thing. Teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded. There's the sanctification thing. And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. There's the Jesus right there in the midst of it all. We're becoming more and more like him. 
First sermon that ever got preached ever after Jesus had died and rose and given the Great Commission and ascended. The very first sermon got preached and everybody says, so what do we do about this? How, how can we be saved? And he says, repent. Sound familiar? Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins can be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for all who are fall off. In Romans 6 and several other passages, Paul makes it so clear that what baptism represents is we literally are buried with Christ and raised to a new life. The old us dies, the new life comes to life with the Holy Spirit of God himself living in us. We start over. It's new. It's different. Martin Luther said, sanctification flows from justification. It's an ongoing process which will not be complete or reach perfection in this life. But it's got to keep going. See, Jonah, if he was going to quote all those passages from the Old Testament in his prayer, maybe he should have quoted this one from Psalm 51.4. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. That's repentance. That's what it looks to start over today if you fail. Today if you failed yesterday and you haven't repented for that yet, but you want to keep this process going, this is the kind of prayer we pray. We, and we can. Every single day we can start over because of what Jesus has done for us. Remember the story that Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector? The Pharisee is perfect as far as legalism goes, but his heart was far from God and his prayer goes something like, God, thank you that I'm nothing like all these other people, especially that tax collector over there. Gosh, that's just creepy. But the, but, but the tax collector who really had sinned, he, he hits himself on the chest and he says, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And Jesus Christ himself says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who humble themselves will be exalted. And all of this culminates in this amazing hope that we have. And I need to say it one thing more out, out loud with me. We truly change. That's the hope. We, as we become and then keep becoming followers of Jesus, as we start over, all, at the beginning we really start over, and then whenever we mess up, we, we really start over. The hope is we actually really change. And because of Jesus and because of his spirit inside of us, that's a real hope. We can actually change. That's the power of the gospel. These are not just noble ideas that we all kind of say to each other and wish that it could happen and wish it was true. And wouldn't it be great if a few people ever could really do that? This is the real, this is the good news. We can actually change. This is real. To follow Jesus, the word follow is a verb, not a metaphor. Jesus trains us on the job. Again, sanctification, those two ideas of being set apart and becoming more like Jesus, they're always tied together. And as we follow him, we learn to see ourselves and everything else from his perspective. Just like an apprentice eventually becomes the master. And they, all the things they thought were so crazy and so weird. Why do we always have to clean the tools at the end of the day? Someday they're going, you better clean those tools. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this happens, this process, we truly change. 
when we submit to Jesus. You remember how Charlie Brown and Lucy always had that thing going where she'd hold the football and he'd try and kick it and then she'd move it out? I've got to be honest with you. If I were Charlie Brown, there would come a time when I would stop letting Lucy hold the football for me. I would be kind to her. I would be polite to her. I'd probably give her more chances than I should. But there would come a time when I'd go, no, no, no. And here's why. Because she never changes. God gives us patience and forgiveness and all the other things that he does for us to, 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 to forgive our sins. He does all of that so that we have more chances, hoping we'll get it right. But the end game is that we get it right. The end game that we stop sinning. The end game is we become more like Jesus. The end game is that we actually change. And we're missing the whole point if we don't. Dr. Mason again, he says, the church has to get its voice back from being a pathetic voice to being a prophetic voice. That message is also on Right Now Media, by the way. It's a different message. But, but here's what he means by that. If, if you can't change, if you're just kind of throwing out ideas all the time, but you can't do anything about it or really help anybody else do anything about it, that's kind of pathetic. If you're not living by the rules that you're asking other people to live by, that's kind of pathetic. That's, that's helpless. That's nothing. That's, what is that? That's nothing. It's a waste of time. But prophetic means we speak God's truth. Prophetic means we actually live it. Yeah, we fail. Yeah, we never get it right. It's a process where it's a, but it's a process of actually changing, of actually becoming like Jesus. That's where it becomes powerful. That's where people go, I'd like a piece of that. There's a reason. Hear me on this. There's a reason that so many people don't like church nowadays. It's because a lot of churches, a lot of us, individuals, whatever, Christians, whether we're doing it on purpose or by accident, our voice that they're hearing from us is pathetic, not prophetic. They're not seeing real change. And rather than try to justify ourselves, we should listen to that once in a while. We could hear what they're saying and try to learn from it. I love what Dr. Martin Luther King said about how to handle it when people oppose you. The, the last part of, uh, of there in a, is up there. I'm going to read you the whole quote here. But he says, we need to see the enemy's point of view. By enemy, he doesn't mean somebody he hates, but somebody who hates him. We've got to see the enemy's point of view to hear his questions, to know his assessment of ourselves. For from his view, we may indeed see the basic weaknesses of our own condition. And if we are mature, we may learn and grow and profit from the wisdom of the brothers who are called the opposition. See, people want change. They want things to be different. They want hope. They want to know that we could start over. They want to know that there's power outside of themselves that could actually make real change. Brothers and sisters, there's only one place to find that. And it's here. Not Morrison Hill Christian Church. Morrison Hill is one of the many outposts. I, I mean, I mean the kingdom of God. Among people who know Jesus Christ, who are truly following him, who have become and are still becoming his followers. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King's birthday. Everything that I've said up to this point 
has mostly been about our individual lives and our, our lives as, in smaller groups. That's where the change has to start. But I want you to know that there is hope for us to help actually make change in the world if we follow these things. These things also apply other ways. So much needs to change to make justice actually happen in this world. And the hope is in Christians. The hope is in us doing that. It's still legal to kill unborn babies in this country. I'm going to say that one more time. It's legal. It's been justified somehow to kill unborn babies in this country. You know what's going to change that? Maybe we can change the laws. Maybe we can't. But what can change that is if a lot of Christians not only condemn the sin of abortion, but actually offer real hope. That's why we love the ministry Life Choices that's actually joining us up there. They're not one of the official ministries of Morrison Hill, but we love what they do. They don't march around with signs. They don't yell and scream on street corners. They help people in crisis pregnancy situations have real hope. They reach out with love and grace and understanding and real help to empower them to do something, not only let their child live, but to help them have a better life. That's where real life change can happen. So there's a cool handout about that in your bulletin. Other real life change can happen by you joining one of these missions. Remember I keep saying Jesus trains us on the go. These ministries, we need your help. One of the ones that we need the most help on right now, I just want to tell you just straight out, is our media team. Those of you who are joining us online, this would not be happening with somebody standing behind a camera, several people working in several different booths, different rooms, several different people at several different screens, several people running sound. There's, there's like an entire team. And you know what? They're, they're getting tired, y'all. They need a couple more people that are willing to stand behind a camera. Adjust the sound just a little bit. That can train you how to do that. If you sign up out there at the worship and media booth today, what that's actually saying is, <clears throat> excuse me, Noah will contact you and tell you about an upcoming event that's going to be happening soon where he'll train you. He'll help you do that. He'll answer your questions. You're not signing your life away. But we really need help. So does every single other ministry out there. Are you with me? And that's where you're going to see this transformation when you join a small group. That's most of the other ones out there, some sort of a connection group. You're going to see that change happen when you actually start embracing this. And your voice, your voice and our collective voice will stop being pathetic and be instead empathetic, as in we are actually hearing other people's voices and even more importantly, prophetic, that we are actually reaching out and we are sharing and living out the truth. Does that sound as good to you as it sounds to me? Dr. King, I wish he was still alive for so many reasons. I'd love to know what he would have said about stuff that's been going on recently. What he said is still true. And we're the ones who can do stuff about that. Again, maybe this country Maybe this country can make some changes, and they should. But real change happens when real people interact differently with each other. When real people help each other connect with God and connect with each other on a real basis. Here's what he said. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. 
You know where the real hope is in that? In the one who sent us out and said, I want you to make disciples of all nations. Everybody is welcome at the foot of the cross. Everybody has the chance. Everybody is equal in the eyes of God. That We all have the chance to be justified by what Jesus did and sanctified by what he did and keeps doing what we do and keep doing for him. This is a hope for everyone. And if we all did that, our voice would be prophetic, not pathetic. Dr. King again. I look to a day when people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Same thing with Christians. We should never be judged by, are we this denomination or this denomination? Did we go to a church that's primarily pale-skinned or darker-skinned? Those things need to be, we got to fix some of that stuff. But we should. People should know if you're a Christian, your character is different because you have become and you are still becoming more like Jesus. That should be a given no matter what congregation you're part of, where you're a believer. How you interact with people in and outside of church should be different because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. One more time from Dr. King. We're going to start wrapping this up. He said this, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. Isn't that beautiful? You don't know what you're getting into when you get married. You don't know what you're getting into when you have a child. You don't know what you're getting into when you first sign up for a job, you join a team. You don't know what you're getting into when you first enroll in a school. You don't know what you're getting into, right? But you've made a commitment. And you're there. That's faith. We don't know exactly how we're going to change all these things. We don't know exactly every single step. But we're committing to the process. And this is my, this is my prayer for you today. I want you to be able to pray this prayer. Lord, I will commit to the process. Lord, I will start over. If any of this stuff that I've said today convicts you in any way and you go, ooh, I haven't really left that behind. I haven't really embraced this new thing yet. Lord, I will start over. Maybe you've given up hope that you'd ever really change. Maybe you think, oh, this is just me. This is how I am. Lord, I will truly change because you set it up that I can. I believe I can. I can welcome other people into the change that you're making in me. I can let the change in me affect and change the world around me. Lord, I will do that. I will become. I will keep becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Whatever choice you need to make today to pray that prayer, I invite you to make it. You can make it individually where you stand. You can come forward. You can pray. You can ask for help. Join us as a church. You can join Jesus for the first time. Come back to him, whatever you need to do. But let's all pray that prayer today. God, I will commit to this process. I will start over. I will truly change. Let's stand and sing together.